0: Well, there was tons going on this week and plenty enough to even get the analysts confused. And so we're going to sit down with Coley and Kavanaugh now and see if we can't unpack some of this. Brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. You know, you get a ton of benefits when you get a membership. But I tell you what, when I went to Washington, D.C. and saw what the Farm Bureau is doing on some very critical issues, that's where our support needs to go. The Farm Bureau is fighting like crazy to make sure that farm families can keep farming. So please support your local farm bureau with a membership. Go online too; it pays to be a member. John, I w- I would like to start with you because there was this confusion with analysts this week. You know, looking at the market and thinking, well, now that would be bullish, but. Uh, you know why, why wasn't it talking particularly about the wheat dropping limit down and then double-digit losses the two days following that? The only one in the green for a couple of days this week, John, were soybeans. What was going on that made soybeans so positive this week?
1: Oh, very strong basis. Gulf basis in the river market, very strong. The interior basis, very strong also. And why is that? Because of a very strong demand. We've seen a lot of export interest in soybeans, as you know. Crush margins continue to be good. And we've been talking about how tight soybeans are all year. Despite the government forecast, the private analysts suggest that the government is still overestimating stocks, year-end stocks of soybeans. They continue to look at numbers around, what, 225, 250. It looks like the numbers actually could be closer to 150 to 175 for the carryover, which is a very tight carryover on soybeans. If that carryover is going to be there, that tight. well of course we're into the spring most of the old crop soybeans have been sold supplies are very limited and the demand is high so what do you get under a situation like that you get a very strong basis and we should see the board starting to get stronger because we have not been trading with real numbers.
0: Yeah, well, you've been saying that for months. It seems like, but this week, pretty decent sale to China, two hundred twenty-nine thousand. Well, I say China. It was to unknown, but two hundred twenty-nine thousand tons, <laughs> a pretty decent sale of U.S. soybeans. So much of that, two hundred twenty-nine thousand tons, two hundred nineteen of it was for new crop. And that just begs the question: Is that some front loading, or are they gonna are they gonna wait on that to see what the market looks like? Because they're talking now that. Brazil Brazil's going to be out of soybeans for export by about mm, sometime mid-July.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And right now, the chief offers are coming out of South America for June, early July, and then from late July forward into August, uh, the U.S. becomes the cheaper source of soybeans. We all have our own opinion of it, but frankly, I think they're kind of front-loading. I think China's trying to get coverage to make sure they got enough soybeans, reflecting of the strong demand they have there for the soybeans. They don't want to run out. They'd rather overbuy and then cancel later rather than get caught short later.
0: Okay, so uh, your best guess then would be for farmers to uh, hang on to beans if they've got any left. And uh, wait for a higher price because oh, you.
1: No, let's be careful here. Other factors are going to come in here. You know, if the growing season, if we're having good weather this summer and the crops are looking great and we're talking about a better than trend line yield, so prices are going to sell off regardless. So, uh, and the prices are extraordinarily high and the basis is high. So, no, I, I would not say necessarily to hang on. These prices are too good. You might hang out to that last 5 or 10% and have fun with it, but I wouldn't take a chance at anything higher than that. We're looking at soybeans at well over. $16, they yeah. don't
0: say no to that. So, David, let's turn to corn for a second because news out of the Ukraine has so much focus on planting progress. We've forgotten about some of the other news going on in the world. But Russia rejected Ukraine's proposal to let some exports move. They turned that down, but they're managing to get corn out of Ukraine somehow. Ukraine planting. Is going well and corn acres might even top estimates by about 6 million metric tons over the original estimate. Talk to us about that situation there.
2: Yeah, we did get some really good news out of the Ukraine this week. It came from Germany this time and their largest railroad. And what this means is they're going to be transporting a lot of grain. So that's a big break for the Ukrainians this week. You know, I think the whole big story right now, of course, is fading away from Ukraine, but we still have to pay attention to that because the UN kind of snuck in this week and said they were gonna make it easier for the Ukrainians to export out of the Black Sea by negotiating with the Russians. Well, that's not gonna happen. They're also trying to negotiate with the Russians to get more fertilizer shipped out. Well, that's probably not gonna happen either. So there's been a lot of uh, cross currents in the markets this week. It's been very, very obvious when you look at the charts, the way the markets acted, especially looking at the corn market, actually being pulled down by the wheat market too.
0: Yeah, speaking of the wheat market, boy, a lot of confusion over India's wheat exports you know, lowered by about 4.4 million metric tons from what we're hearing. You look at that and you say that should be bullish for wheat, but why isn't that bullish?
2: Well, there were two extra statements that weren't read initially because when you looked at this thing, you saw just that they're going to cancel exports. Well, not so. They're going to cancel all the wheat that's not in the deliverable position. If it's in the customs right now in the warehouses, they will deliver that. And they're also saying. They're going to deliver all the wheat the Egyptians had bought. So, yeah, they didn't ban all their export sales like they said they were doing. They're still leaving the door open a bit. And there's always hope, you know, to get India to deliver some more. Their big situation is right now they did lose a lot of their wheat crop in March because of the hot and dry conditions. They've lost a lot of rice crop. So, yeah, they need money to go out there and buy other commodities to feed their people, specifically rice, and you're also looking at their corn production and their other wheat production there, too. It's a big situation in India right now, and I think it bears watching very, very closely.
0: Let's talk weather, because that's uh, been such a big issue around here, and you know, before we get off of the global situation in the market, let's talk about, David, the drought in China that apparently has worsened.
2: Yes, and this I've been watching very, very closely, because this is affecting the rice crop, and it's also affecting uh, some of their wheat crop over there too. The problem with all these shutdowns because of COVID have really caused problems trying to figure out what's going on in China because they've become very, very quiet. Their news is very, very quiet, and there's also been a lot of talk about China ruffling their war feathers over Taiwan and saying, anything we do to support Taiwan, the Chinese will take <laughs> yeah. uh, up with that, so yeah. that's throwing everybody a curve. They're not paying attention to the weather in China at this point, especially since uh, the Indian situation occurred too. I think it's related. So yeah, that's definitely a big watch point.
0: Okay. Before I go to John and talk about prevent plant and that whole conversation about that here in the States, real quickly, David, People's Bank of China unexpectedly cut the five-year rate on prime loans on Friday. What kind of implications might that have?
2: They're adding all sorts of economic incentives over there because I mentioned this on the air a couple months ago. They were increasing the amount the banks could loan relative to their reserves, which meant they could loan more of their currency and not have so much reserves to back it up, which is a more risky situation. But the fact that they're opening doors, trying to get the economy moving, I think they're doing the right thing. Unlike us, we're trying to raise interest rates at this point. And you can see the adverse reaction it's having on the stock markets right now. But China has moved forth very aggressively to try to improve their economy, but remember, they're already down on their face with their economy. We're heading down, so I guess you have to use different uh, schemes to try and prop it up.
0: All right, John, Chicken Little has been running around the Little Red Barn now for a couple of weeks, you know, says sky is falling, and the weather across the grain belt, kind of like the best of times, the worst of times, you know, some planting delayed because fields are still way too wet, Minnesota particularly there. Others that were dry got some much-needed rains, so, you know, to David's point about taking his trip and seeing so many fields that were looking good. I, it's really kind of funny because I saw this great comment this week, weather trumps any crop forecast and any history is just a compass, not a GPS tracking system. And I thought, I'll bet you John Kavanaugh penned that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well, I didn't, but I'll take the credit.
0: And I'll give it to you. But you know, you talk about that and it seems like a little premature at this point to be talking about prevent plant discussions, but they certainly have been on the rise this past week.
1: Oh, it's something to talk about. The markets always gotta have something to talk about. But then again, every year we have some prevent planning. Last year we had the least ever, but a year or two before that we had a record about a prevent planning. Overall, right now, planning progress is, is running behind and the numbers are gonna come out Monday. We'll be behind normal, but we're gonna make a lot of progress, and overall there's no reason to be particularly concerned. Now there is one part of the country that they're focusing on. You mentioned Minnesota and the northwestern part of the Midwest of the Western Belt. a concern i mean they've had a lot of rain and cold weather and a lot of spring wheat is not going to get planted and i would guess there could be some prevent planting in that area however it does not appear at this point to be anything significant nothing Uh, much more than an average amount of maybe 3 to 4 million acres, uh, David, would you say? Right. Uh, I can see that happening, but uh, that's typical and normal. We have some problems somewhere every year.
0: Okay, David, are you concerned at all by the nearby forecast for our region? Because they're talking about rain events for the next 10 days.
2: Yeah, when I saw that, I took a deep swallow and I said, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is not going to be an easy one to take. And, you know, as we look at these four forecasts, you always say, well, there's some trepidation Who are forecasting more than two days, but they are showing the probability on most of the models I'm looking at for up to two to three inches through the end of not this week, but next weekend. Ouch. And, and then June, more rain into June, so this rainy weather is going to be continuing at this point. But like someone said today, he says, Boy, I'm glad for what I did get planted. Soil temps are up. The rain is helping out what he did planted. And so, yes, I think that's the thing we have to look at right now. But I'll tell you, this weather forecast has to be very, very concerned. Yes.
1: Well, it has to be concerned, too. If that materializes, uh, yeah, that can cause a little bit of anxiety. But uh, And it could end up with more soybean acres, too. Fewer corn acres and more soybean acres. And that's the situation in the northwestern part of the belt where there is concern about losing some corn acres because of the wetness there. Uh, and i say that's a distinct possibility. I've been saying all along, more corn acres, 91 to 91 and a half. But now I'm beginning to think maybe not, maybe not so much. Maybe it's going to be close to the government estimate of 89 and a half, maybe 90.
0: Okay. And John, you're pretty confident that we're going to have a good planting progress report next week of what I'm hearing you say?
1: Yes. I think it's still going to be behind five-year average, which I guess is normal. But we'll find out Monday.
0: Well, in terms of those five-year averages, don't forget the crop forecast and history Just a compass, not a GPS tracking system. (laughs) And John Kavanaugh said that. David, this week, export sales, the export sales were kind of flattish. But soybeans, uh, you know, at least exceeded the trade expectation, which was a good thing. And I was looking at the livestock, David, and beef and pork sales both. Not bad.
2: Yeah, I was really glad for that. And, you know, I like China buying our beef, and they are again. They continue to. 2.9 2.9 thousand tons. Korea 7.4. Japan 7.9. They've been really good buyers of our beef. And in the pork market, we're seeing Mexico again, a big buyer of pork, 8.4 thousand tons. Korea's 4.3. And even seeing other countries adding to the list. But I have to make comment here about my misdirection. I was looking for cattle numbers to drop in April. I was premature. Cattle numbers stayed up. The weights stayed up. I was wrong on both cases. The thing I'm seeing right now, though, is very heartening. We did see the weights drop last week. Significant and the cattle numbers are dropping as we noticed, you know, from last fall because the pastures were dry and they couldn't put them out for the uh, wheaties, they call them the younger calves. But the big situation for me is the beef market's finally turning up and they're looking for lower placements in the cattle on feed report that comes out on Friday. So let's look and see how this all turns. But uh, I was wrong, but I'm encouraged what I've seen this last few weeks.
0: And now the man who always has more to say. So we just have to back up and let him go. John Cavanaugh, what did we miss today? <laughs>
1: Well, what happened to our wonderful weather guru, Mr. Coley? He did not mention this. He failed to bring oh, it up. I, I mean, I was shocked, stunned, and disbelieved. Because he, <laughs> he is such a weather freak. But we had uh, the National Weather Service uh, seasonal outlook. That's June, July, August, oh. weather forecast. Now, well, that's pretty far out, and its uh, level of uh, accuracy is not that great. Not this early, anyhow. But uh, nevertheless, the marketplace closed attention to that. And the prediction is June, July, August weather for the East eastern grain belt that's us is very favorable mostly normal temperatures and normal precipitation the western belt however a different story hot and dry much above normal temperatures and much below normal precipitation and that includes the western half of iowa and overall if it materializes would be bullish
0: Cody and Kevin, I brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. Like I said earlier, you know, you go to Washington, D.C. and talk to the members of the Farm Bureau and you realize we need to support their efforts. Incredible. You know, there's so many issues going on right now and they're fighting the battles for us in D.C. with Congress. Issues like taxes, waters of the U.S., broadband and a new farm bill coming up. And boy, there's a lot in that farm bill that really needs the input of the Farm Bureau who tells the story of farm families right at the grass. Roots level. So make sure your family can keep farming and keep farming in the family. Support your local farm bureau by simply becoming a member. All you got to do is go online to itpaystobeamember.org.
2: Podcasts by Federated Media.